Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's the Autosport Podcast. We look back at the first day of Barcelona Formula One testing with the help of Gary Anderson. The 2019 Formula 1 season is finally underway with the first day of pre-season testing kicking off for Barcelona. Very good day for Ferrari. Sebastian Vettel set the pace. Fastest lap of 1 minute 18.161 seconds, but even more impressively completed a marathon, 169 laps, as we saw many teams completing vast numbers of miles, but uh, it was Ferrari on top in terms of miles completed and in terms of lap time, so positive start for them. Carlos Sainz Jr., second fastest for McLaren, a 118.558, Roman Grosjean third for Haas, a 1 minute 19.159, Max Verstappen fourth for Red Bull, a 1 minute 19.426, Kimi Raikkonen, for Alpha, 1 minute 19.462. Daniel Kvyat, 6, 1 minute 19.464. For Toro Rosso, Sergio Perez in the racing point, 1 minute 19.944 seconds. And the best of the Mercedes down in 8th place, Valtteri Bottas, at 1 minute 20.127 seconds. Almost an identical time set by teammate Lewis Hamilton when he took over for the afternoon. And then just the Renaults at the back. Nico Hülkenberg, 1 minute 29.80 seconds in 10th place. Behind the two Mercs with Daniel Ricciardo, slowest, 1 minute 20.983 seconds. So that's the rundown. What do you make of it, 
Gary, it was a great day for Ferrari in terms of the work they got done, almost more than the, the lap time. Yeah, it was. I mean, the, the amount of laps they'd done, um, Sebastian Vettel was super happy um, at the end of the day, very big smiles, you know, as far as it's, you know, it's the first day of testing, but in reality, they got through their program, the car made sense. I was speaking to one of the guys um, earlier on in the day, and uh, they were very pleased that the car actually on track was performing better than they had predicted from their simulations. So that, that's, that's very a, unusual. Well, it's, it's very, very unusual. Uh, it's obviously, obviously quite important to, to realise why as well. But, you know, the, the weather today, the track conditions were, were, were very good, I suppose you might call it. Last year, the track was resurfaced before the test. It wouldn't really have bed it in for, uh, for the, the race in May. So it's had now a, you know, a summer and a winter to, to mature, I suppose you might call it. Um, so part of that comes into, into play. But once you've done 10 laps, you've got a new set of data for the, the grip levels you can pull, so you're, you'll alter your simulation to suit. So, um, But they're very pleased with the initial thing. The car responds to what they think it should respond to. Vettel was beaming, and you know they did 169 laps, whatever it was. So you know, no dramas whatsoever in reality. We mentioned Sebastian Vettel beaming. We're used to drivers being cagey and playing their cards very close to their, their chests, trotting out the usual comments about early days, etc. But yeah, he was he was grinning. I think he described it as almost perfection, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. All sorts of very positive phrases about the work they got done that the day went couldn't really have gone better. It's really encouraging when you see what happened on track in harness with a team that's clearly really happy with the way things are going because while teams can do huge amounts of preparation before testing it's only when you hit the track in earnest and complete a full day of running you can really see the car can stand up to it and what two and a half race distances they they managed today so yeah pretty justified for Vettel to be so happy yeah um I think you know they've learned a little bit of a lesson obviously they've got a change around of of uh, top end management and I think they've, they've sort of I, th- I think it bought into the fact that actually it'd be nice to try and motivate the people a bit instead of having this. It wasn't really motivated last year. With that's that. a novel idea. Yeah, so it, it it makes a big difference to within the team, you know, and it has to spread right through. You know, it's, it's in the drivers, it's in the, the management, it's in the guys in the garage, all that sort of stuff. If you're doing the job with a bit of motivation and a bit of acceptance, um, you try that a little bit harder. So, you know, they're probably trying to, to achieve that, and that's that's something that will help them for sure in the longer term, just keep the momentum going with the guys and everybody will be behind you. I know they should be because they work there, but still, there's always that room for, for it not working for you. And of course, when you look at Ferrari, you always want to look at Mercedes. Now, Mercedes, as is often the case, down the timesheets, they tend to run very heavy. We never see particularly dramatic lap times or rarely early on. They did complete a lot of laps, well over 100 between the, the two drivers. You saw all the cars in action on, on track today, so you have a, a bit of a feel for what they're doing. The Mercedes, I think you said, look quite look clearly heavyweight. So clearly, there's not a two-second gap between the two. No, there definitely isn't. I mean, Mercedes ran the, the hardest of the tyres available today. Um, whereas Ferrari ran the medium tyre, and then uh, Carlos Sainz and, and Kvyat ran the, the softer tyre. So there's a bit of a difference there. And you know, all we can do is put in a, a bit of a stab at the tyre compound differences, which, which we looked at as like half a second. So yes, the, the you know the the Mercedes would have less grip, but it did look um, you know quite docile. It didn't it didn't leap around too much. But you know, the Ferrari wasn't the Ferrari wasn't running on the sniff of an oily rag. It was. It was doing a job, you know, good, decent long runs as well. So I don't think they're that far apart as far as difference in fuel loads, but there's obviously a little bit in it. 
you did spend quite a lot of time watching watching trackside. Usually on the, I mean, we talked on the, the preview podcast about normally you get to start to feel the hints of the the traits of the cars, etc. But it was surprising how strong everyone looked today. It almost looked more like a Spanish Grand Prix weekend day in May with well sorted cars, well known cars, rather than day one. Yeah, it did. It's a bit, a bit. I suppose disappointment is probably not the not the right word, but I don't think there was any bad cars there. Yes, you know the the corner speed for some cars was different because of you know definitely have a little bit more downforce here and there from the top teams and a little bit of different fuel loads and a little bit of different uh, tire compounds but in general you normally see that a car will have a lot of understeer or the rear's nervous or it's not good it's unstable under the brake under brakes or something but there was none of that today to me you know all of them are pretty good pretty well balanced um it, yeah, there's, there's room for improvement here and there, but that's that's small, finicky adjustments. It's not big things, you know. So, seeing somebody that's um, not that's doing the lap times they're doing today and thinking, well, okay, uh, you know, a change of front wing angle or a, a different front end of your roll bar, and, and suddenly we'll be right up there. It's it's it, it's not going to happen. There's no no cars out there that are that are that are poor. They're all pretty good. And it was a remarkable day in in, in those regards. You know, today you should say to listeners, you may hear a bit of noise in the background as some of our fellow autosport uh, journalists arrive. We've just we've got Jack Benyon who's been who's been working hard on live, and, and Luke Hinsel from Motorsport TV have uh, just headed into our uh, our mansion not far from the uh, from the circuit. They're uh, grabbing some well deserved nourishment away from Jack Benyon. There, he's uh, certainly put in the the hours today. Why do you think? Teams are so strong straight out of the box because we're used to tentative starts. Remember, we were there in 2014 at the first day of these new engines and we were loitering in the fast lane of the pit lane for about the first hour because no one was anywhere near going out. Less than 100 laps done entirely. Yeah, I, I mean, the teams are, they've learned a lot now. They're, you know, a lot more preparation back at the factory, a lot more simulation, a lot more understanding of the car setup before you have to get to the track. And, and these tests are about correlating that setup simulation work to what happens on the track. And, you know, it looks like the correlation is getting better and better. But also the, the regulations, I mean, although they've changed a little bit for this year in the front wing detail, um, they have been, you know, stable now. It's the third year of this, this sort of regulation as such. Front wing, front wing end plates, bars board area, rear wing, you know, a bit more de- detail here and there has changed. But that's allowed the teams to, over two years, to understand the package they had and then to spend more time this year on understanding the changes that are happening and because it's the front wing and the front wing end plates there's quite a lot of change there with um with steering lock for example and we can see different front wing assemblies with the, with the way the flap arrangement meets up with the end plates and that's all about trying to get consistent uh, downforce um with varying steering lock so i think the teams have had more time to look at the smaller details of the changes that the regulations brought to, the, to it and also by not having such complicated front wings, um, I suppose the best way of putting it is a lot less to go wrong. You could look at it and say, oh, the more complicated it is, the better it is, the more you can get out of it. But if, it, if it's not right, it's, it's, it's badly wrong. Whereas at the minute, the, the front wings are very simple, so there's not much that can go wrong. And, and I think that's why the cars are looking like they are. I think they'll still have the, the, you know, the performance gaps between the top guys and the, and the, and the rest. It won't change that that much because it's just out, down down down-to-down force basically and budget and manpower but at the end of the day the cars all look pretty good on the track and that's very very important 
you mentioned front wings there. There's obviously a lot of interest. We talked yesterday in the preview podcast about the, the Sauber front wing and the different concepts there are front wing. What did you see today as you looked at the cars with what they're actually running as opposed to the launch spec in terms of the, the front wing concepts? No, they're all still running their launch spec. I mean, the, the, the Mercedes that we started off with, it's got a conventional as such five-element front wing. Um, just all the gizmos are gone that were they're there trying to turn airflow around the front wheels. Um, they've got a slightly what they might call um, in-wash end plate. In other words, they're trying to bring some of the airflow inside the front wheel. I think that's part of the steering lock thing where you, when the wheel turns behind the front wing, you want to separate it at a certain point and try to make the air, some airflow go around the outside, some airflow come around the inside. And it's a bit of a decision as to where that really is. Um, but again, the the, uh, the Red Bull, more of a conventional front wing. And then you go to Ferrari where they've got this reducing flap angle front wing going out to the end plate. So right at the end plate, there basically has no front wing as such. Um, Sauber have got the same package there. Renault have got a bit of it. Um, Racing Point have got a bit of the same thing, you know, sort of in between as such. So there's quite a few variations there, but if you looked out on the track uh, and they're going around turn, turns one, two and three, which is normally quite you know a good set of corners to see of the balance of the car, um, no, there's no problem. I mean, all of them, if you you know, th- there is no difference in how they're going around there. So they're they're generating the downforce, and I think, as I say, it's because the front wing assembly is so much simpler than what it was before that any effect from the steering lock had massive consequences to the balance of the car. Now, because you're not able to generate that that sophisticated airflow regime that's coming off the outer, outer part of the end plate, then if you can't generate it, then it can't get hurt by the steering lock. So it's made the cars. I think it's made the cars generally a bit better. But there'll still be a difference in downforce levels from car to car. Let's talk about the other member of the big three we haven't mentioned so far, Red Bull Honda. First time with a Honda engine. What do you make of what you saw there? Obviously, the headline lap times were nothing extraordinary, but reasonable amount of running in, so it seemed at least a sensible start for them. Yeah, I mean, the car looks quite good in the track. The Obviously, Verstappen, you know, his commitment to a corner is... The, the car is very sharp turning into to all the corners, watching it turning into turn three. Um, it's probably the sharpest turn in it. I don't think it's the car that does that. I, I think it's just he, he can be aggressive with it and the rear end of the car sticks. Normally, if you do that, it, it, you know, the rear end starts moving around a little bit, but on the Red Bull, it doesn't. They, you know, in general, they've had a, a very, very good aerodynamic car for, for many years. Um, and there's no reason to doubt that this year. So the, I don't know where they are with the Honda engine, really. It's, it's difficult to know just yet. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them... Um, do a very, very good job with it. You just need to, you know, they're working on their car at the minute and they're working on, on mileage with the Honda engine at the moment. So I think, and getting a good understanding, it sounds a lot different. I mean, the Honda engine of, of the past was always this crackly cutting out thing before you got back on the throttle. It's quite a raspy sort of sound. Very, 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 very raspy, but it's, it's not like that anymore. It's not very smooth. So positive start for Red Bull. I've been saying that about uh, quite a few teams. Obviously, it'll be later in the, the week. We'll start to get a little bit more feel for, for lap times, etc. But we should talk about McLaren up in second place, Carlos Sainz Jr. on uh, on his debut for, for the McLaren team. 119 laps completed. Remember, much better than last year when Fernando Alonso ended up parked in the gravel quite early on with uh, three wheels on his wagon. <laughs> so at least... I think we don't want to be too excited about them being second on, on the times. They're not going to be up there fighting for victory with Ferrari. But I think a good, solid, sensible day's running, with, apart from the moment when Sainz stopped at the pit exit. But other than that... Yeah, it, it is a good day for them. And I think that's important. I mean, whether the car was running lighter fuel than the others or, or not, 
when they needed to do it, they were able to go out on the track and, and do what they wanted to do, which was, you know, a quick lap time. They did also, you know, a couple of very long runs. And I never saw, I was out on the track at that time, and the, the car didn't look as though it was uh, deteriorating too dramatically. It, you could, it was going, it was visibly something that was slower, but that was because probably from tyre degradation, to be honest. But it wasn't changing balance and it wasn't, you know, traction wasn't terrible and all that sort of stuff. So I think they've had a good day's work. Um, and hopefully, you know, McLaren can be back to where we would like to see them, which is, you know, I think they would be content with leading the midfield bunch, um, if that's possible, in, in fourth. And obviously then it's about shutting the gap down to the big boys. And it's it's not going to happen overnight for them. But I think they've got they put a good day's work underneath them and a bit of motivation, um, and that's important, as I say, like with Ferrari, it's about motivation, it's about keeping people content and going in the right direction, and I think you know, McLaren learned a big lesson last year, so hopefully they'll, they'll make sure they remember that and, and, uh, and keep the motivation going within the group. Just having a quick look at some of the news that's coming in from the like those who are still working at the track. Uh, piece by Adam Cooper, in fact, that Jack Bunyan, who's uh, in the room, contributed to with Carlos Sainz, saying everybody in the team has to be proud, has to be happy. Hard work over the winter, the plan we put together to have the car uh, ready early for the presentation to be out on track at nine o'clock has paid off. This afternoon we completed long runs, finished the day with red flags at six o'clock. Good way to start. Definitely people here at the track are happy. So combined with this... Uh, managing expectations, should we say, or not getting carried away. They've then done this first day, and they've been able to get out of the car, science been able to say, yeah, this has been really good, we're all really happy. And that's got to be good for the, the morale of a team that spent most of last year being being beaten up for its its bad performances, kind of hung by the bold claims that had been made uh, the previous year and at the start of the season. Yeah, and, and also you got to remember that you know they're going to be measured against Renault. Renault are uh, a team now that are building to be in a, you know, a works team, they, they're Physically, they are a works team, but they they were understaffed a bit to begin with. So they're building to get to there, and and they believe they're in the, a good position now. So McLaren and, and uh, Renault, as teams, can be measured against each other because they're using the same power unit, and um, that that's a nice little step for them because they're obviously were a lot better today than than Hulkenberg or Ricardo in, in the Renault. Tires were different for sure. You know, there's in my, my my calculations there was two compound differences there, which is a second a lap time. But even still, you know, doing the laps they done and all that stuff, they should be fairly fairly proud of their day's effort. And it's it's part of what we talk about with the procedures of making things happen, procedures of just making sure that the car gets built and is ready to go, um, and you can fire it up and drive out of the pit lane and all that sort of stuff. And whenever you go to try and do a lap time on a softer tire, that the car. You know, does it basically? You know what you're doing, really. You've got you've got control of the situation, and too many times last year they didn't have control of the situation. Uh, you mentioned the McLaren comparison to Renault. Obviously, both Renault drivers at the bottom of the timesheets, uh, separated by three thousandths of a second, so very similar pace. What did you see of the Renault on track, and what you saw when you got to have a look up close at, that, at it in uh, in person? Um, yeah, again, it's, it's nothing wrong. I mean, they are running; they're running the hardest tires, the same as Mercedes. Um, so they're, you know, the, the grip level's not there. So you can just pick up the corner speeds. Not, you know, it's not. They can't be as committed with the car. Um, you can't be as, as as harsh with the car. You can't make it do things as quickly. Um, just looks that a little bit lazier. So I, you know, I would assume that again, Renault are being fairly disciplined and and running the fuel load and, you know, keeping their head above water to try and get the best out of the car. Um, and and the two it's interesting that the two drivers are so close because you know Hulkenberg's been there for a 
couple of seasons or whatever it is, and uh, now Ricardo just joined him. It doesn't take long for a driver to fit into a situation and get get to understand that you know it's it's a, it's a day in the office, but it's just a slightly different armchair you're in. So, um, but it, it's going to be good competition between those two, I'm sure, as the season pr- progresses. Again, as far as the Renault's concerned, I saw nothing wrong with it. Renault themselves were making big inroads into the fact that their engine for this year was much better than last year. Um, you could say we've seen that with uh, with Saints and and the and the, uh, and the uh, McLaren, but I wouldn't have said that's jumped out just quite yet. It's a little bit more settling time, I think, before we can make great judgments on where Renault really are, both from an engine point of view and from a chassis point of view. Well, one of the other rivals for the front of the of the midfield or for fourth in the championship, if you want to look at it that way, is going to be Racing Point. You saw their car for the first time today. It wasn't a great day for, for the team. Only managed 30 laps. I'm just looking at some comments from Sergio Perez have just come in where he said we had some issues. So with everybody else racking up the laps, that's a little bit of a concern for for them that they, they struggled a bit or is that also partly a function of they were one of the teams that were quite up against it in terms of putting the car together well they were up against it as far as putting the car together yeah but you know they've they've done enough of it you know it's, it's, a, it's a team that's been around since 1991 with Jordan it's had a few names on the way but it's been around a long time and uh, you know the technical director there Andrew Green was actually with me back in Jordan in 1991 so that's what 29 years ago now isn't it and so all their success is down to you. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's about what I'm really trying to say is the the, the group of people there have stayed together quite well. There's a, a, a big group of people that are still the same people as were there, uh, so they've worked together for a long time and they, they know each other quite well. But a simple thing, you know, this morning whenever they, they started the car up and tried to get out of the garage, and there's a thing called the umbilical cord, which is a basically a big piece of wire that plugs into the car and it downloads all the data whenever you're in the garage and you you start the car up and run it all through this umbilical cord and they couldn't get it out of the, the connector in the car for some reason it just stuck so the car was up ready to go and all that sort of stuff but then the, this connector wouldn't come out so twice it had to be stopped to to find a solution to what was what was wrong there so as i was saying to the guys you know it's a it's a bit of a slow birth when you can't get the umbilical cord out <laughs> <laughs> Even enjoying that metaphor very well. It's not even a metaphor; it's the, the, it the umbilical cord. The car looks good. It's you know, it's, it's really well engineered. It's a nice car, um, and they've got a big development plan. So you know, yes, they've got to push on with it. Be interesting to see tomorrow because you know, Lance Stroll's moved from from uh, Mercedes to or from uh, Williams to to Racing Point, and uh, I actually rate Lance quite highly. I've, I'm not quite sure why. I just feel that he's not had a good crack at his career yet with the, the troubles they had at Williams. Um, he, he was a dominant European F3 champion. And yes, there's good cash behind him, but resources will, will buy you opportunity to go quick. And while he may have had things on his side, he also then had to get in the car and drive it quick, didn't he? You know, you can't you can't shortcut your way to that. Yeah, no matter what you've you've got, you've got to do it. Come on Sunday afternoon when the visor shuts, it's down to you and, you and your racing car and... Uh, you know, at the end of the day, he did a job. Uh, we saw a cu- few glimpses of, of real good performance in Formula 1 from him. Um, he just needs that chance of stability, I think, in a car that's probably a little bit better than what the Williams was last year. So easy for a young guy to just lose it completely whenever you go into your second year of F1 and suddenly the car's not the best piece of kit in the pit lane. And, you know, he just needs to get himself back down again to a level where he's confident in himself and gets in the car and and then builds on that confidence. And, and getting measured against Sergio Perez will be a good thing for him because Sergio's rated quite highly. A lot of experience now, 
very stable as far as everything's concerned. So he's got a good yardstick there to, to go against. So, yeah, I wish him all the best. Let's continue our whistle-stop tour of the teams. We will be doing a daily podcast from testing, so we'll dig in a bit more depth in uh, future ones. We want to give everyone a bit of an idea of uh, how everyone's doing. Has Roman Grosjean third fastest? He did have a stoppage on track, caused the second red flag of the day, if memory serves, this morning. Yeah, he was having a bit of a moan because three cars spun. Roman Grosjean having a bit of a moan. <laughs> yeah, he's good at that. He does it well, but um, for some reason he felt that the tyres were very, very difficult when you left the pits, when you tried to uh, go out the pits with them. You just no grip. So three cars spun today on the same thing, just leaving the pits, basically. Um, but, you know, you, the driver, the, the throttle pedal goes up and down, so you can move it both ways type of thing. So you have to live within what you've got. You know, on three drivers spinning going out of the pits, there was another six that didn't. So, you know, you've got to go with the, with the flow. But, um, again, the car... You know, they've been building up, to be honest. They they had a, a pretty good package last year. They threw away some big points uh, on a few occasions. But on occasions, they had a car that was, was right up there. You know, it was in, the, in that uh, notch for fourth fastest. Um, it just didn't happen all the time. And, and that's what they need to focus on a little bit. And I think they've got the same car this year. They've got a car that's, that's pretty good. It looks good on the track. Um, but they've got a car that's pretty good now that as a team... They just need to make sure they're getting that pretty good bit out of the car every weekend and not just the odd weekend. So, and tidy up some of the stuff they had with pit stops and problems and whatever. So if they can do all that, I think they can, they can you know, this, this this midfield bunch, as we call it, that behind the big three, and we have to assume the big three will still exist, but behind the big three, that's, it's going to be a, a definitely a difficult place to be. Well, every time you talk about one of them, you think, yeah, they're looking good. They could well be at the front, but there's only one of them that could be at the front of that midfield. So, okay, it may only be for, for seventh place or potentially ninth place if Renault is able to break, break free from that group, which it should be able to given the resources, but it's a big, uh, a big old step. It's going, to be, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how that goes. The last team that ran was Toro Rosso, relatively low profile day. Certain Daniel Kvyat making his, uh, his comeback uh, with, with the team. So, how did that car look on track? I think you're going to say a very similar thing, that it looked, it looked like a decent car with, with no vices. It, it did actually. To be honest, if you had to sort of pick a little hole in something, you'd probably say that it looked like it didn't have as good a front end as it could have. I wouldn't have said it was bad by any means. but It's a bit like last year, actually. Yeah, it just looked a bit lazy at getting from, you know, turn one, you come in to clip the curb, and you, you, you sort of want to get the throttle back on and, and go through... Th- turn two and then keep the car to the left a little bit so that your entry into turn three is a bit better and from there on in you know you need to just be getting on the throttle hard um it, probably the one car that you'd have said just didn't have the front end to keep that momentum going into the into turn three but uh, again i wouldn't you know it's a 99 percent car as opposed to the others being a 100 percent car so it's very very little wrong with it and it, it probably is just a you know a flick of a front wing angle or a little bit of this or a little bit of that and they can make it a little bit better. But I don't think I don't think the problem I saw today will change dramatically. It's lap time. You know, it might just change the balance fractionally, but it's not going to change dramatically. It's lap time. One car that I was in danger of uh, of missing out is the the Alfa Romeo, the the Sauber Ferrari. Kimi Räikkönen out. He made a big splash early on when he found himself in the in the gravel at turn five in the first five minutes. I think it I think it was probably getting caught out by the uh, the, the cold tires. But other than that good strong day 114 laps completed sounds like the car's performing pretty well in the quick stuff as well so we, we had high hopes for for this team and they seem to be at least promising they can deliver on it yeah we have high, high hopes for them you know they've done a fantastic job last year with young Charles Leclerc in the car um, and Ericsson 
and you know their development program last year paid dividends. They they you know they ended up the season over those last bunch of races as the fourth quickest team, and that momentum seems to be going on because the, the car again, as I say, looked good. But it was also fun to see Kimi in it because if he's got a car that suits his way of driving, um, he's he's mega. And Kimmy's not somebody that you, that likes to go round and round and round and round testing. He loves driving a racing car quick, but testing can be a bit laborious sometimes. But if he's got a car that's got a good front end, and then he can live with it. And it, and it does look like it's got a good front end. So all this front wing stuff is, is going to wash out one way or another. Who knows which way? Or, and, 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 and who, I don't think anybody really knows which is the best way yet that my way of looking at it is both Red Bull and Toro Rosso who are sister teams as such have got different concepts on the front wing so they'll be the first two teams as such to get data from each other because they, they do share stuff um, to understand this front wing situation a, a bit better so it'll be interesting to see which one of them heads which direction first but going back to Sauber it's great to see Kimi in the car I think he's probably laughing all the way to I was going to say to the bank but maybe not as big a bank as, the, as Ferrari were but still laughing all the way because you know he's driving a racing car for a small team without the politics and rubbish that goes on that he's suffered at Ferrari and you know so it's nice to see that and and watching him drive on the track he was he was on it he was committed to it you know he was giving it one that's positive for Kimi Räikkönen fans and obviously it's a big story for Formula One him going back there there this year and still going strong even uh, in his advanced year still life life in him yet in Formula One. The one team that didn't run was Williams. Now, we knew they weren't going to run today. We talked about it on the preview podcast. But during the course of the day, we saw this statement that they were pretty unlikely to run tomorrow and they weren't entirely sure about Wednesday. As we understand it, speaking now on, on Monday evening, the car is still in build at Grove. Still a chunk of work to be done on that. I understand the team's looking at ways to get the car here quickly because there's only three days of testing left. So there comes a point where you don't want to get the car here and roll it out at 10 to 6 on the on the last day there's no, there's no point is there so they've got a battle on their hands to get the car here now we talked yesterday that it was worrying and it's getting a bit more worrying now isn't it because okay they might surprise us and get the car here and run late tomorrow but they're giving up a lot of testing time and it sounds like there's been some just problems with the build schedule and things no specific problem but just a series of things that have just set them back yeah it's 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 more than one thing because in reality you know, the thing you would do if you had one little problem and you're just waiting on a component or something coming in, you would get the car in the truck, you'd bring it out here, you'd know that that component could be flown out easier than the car getting here, and then you'd, you'd finish the car in the garage here. So there's more to it than, than just one bet. And of course you can, even if it's a bit of aero. You remember uh, Red Bull after they lost the front wing at Hareth one year. I remember Daniel Kvyat driving around with no front wing on for chunks of the day because they could still work out things they yeah. could do even though there wasn't yeah. a bolt-on part well, available. Check out all the systems and stuff like that make sure that all functions. You know, there's, there's lots and lots you can do. Okay, it's not what you want to do, but it's better to do something than nothing. Um, the way things are unfolding, I'm, I'm sort of worried that they might not make this test at all. And to be honest, they should make that decision because they can do a 100-kilometer uh, uh, filming day, as they call it, which most, uh, most teams have done before they got here. And they could do that at Silverstone and get themselves in much, much better shape for the start of next week's test. That said, um, you know, it's it's a bit of a failure not getting the car put together in the right time. And it's, a, you know, as I keep saying, it's a procedure sort of thing. You know, that's part of the problem within them at the moment with Williams. They're not, they haven't got sort of procedures in place 
that allow them to recognise and understand these problems before they become problems. And that's what you have to have. Every other team has got the same pro- set of problems. You just have to monitor it and be on top of it a bit, a bit more. And that doesn't seem to be happening. Now, I mean, I drove, quite a few years ago, I drove a Golf GTI from from um, Madrid, from Harama, back to Silverstone. It took me 13 and a half hours door to door. And that was, you didn't want to be in the passenger seat. <laughs> I there's a guy called James Weaver was in the passenger seat with me, <laughs> recent driver. But it was what, a f- why didn't you let him drive? Well, because he wasn't as quick as me. But um, <laughs> that's a bold claim. But he, uh, you know, no, he, he sat there as a good passenger. Um, that's right, because sometimes good, quick drivers aren't good passengers. Yeah, exactly. No, he sat there as a good passenger, and we got home. But it was one of those sort of situations. Where really, why I'm saying that is, in a truck with a car in the back of it, it's going to be, you know, with all the best wall in the world, a twenty-hour trip. So you know, there's a there's a whole day gone. You know, if they left tonight, they'll be here tomorrow night, um, and obviously maybe get ready for Thursday. So they've got to be heading out of Grove now if they're going to be here uh, at all for Thursday, um, for Wednesday. Sorry, not for Thursday. Yeah, Thursday's day four. Yeah, yeah Thursday's day four. Yeah. So if they're going to get themselves here and then finish the car here and get it ready so they can run Thursday and have a day of it uh, running here, then they better be getting it in the truck pretty soon. Even there is a couple of bits missing so that they can get themselves sorted out, finish the car here in the garage. But if they don't do that, then I think they're going to end up, there's more, there's more to it than meets the eye. It's not just, as I say, one or two bits that's, that's missing. It's, it's a lot more than that. Well, it's, uh, we've talked about how strong the, uh, the midfield teams have been so far, so let's hope Williams does get on track and then surprise us by, uh, just by, uh, by running reasonably, reasonably well. Good luck to them, but it doesn't look great at, at the moment. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this whistle-stop tour of the first day of testing. We've we've covered quite a lot of topics because it is day one. More conclusions to be drawn in the in the coming days as, as more of our cohorts enter our mansion. Scott Mitchell's arrived after churning out all sorts of news. So uh, this is now a good time for us to uh, to move on to other things. Do head to autosport.com where there's all sorts of, uh, of coverage of testing, our live coverage during the day, text coverage, Anything happens, you'll see it on there. There's loads of news, uh, news content. Scott Mitchell's just been uh, been busy working on uh, the track before coming in. Check out our plus subscriber area as well. In depth features. Gary Anderson's assessment of, uh, of the first day of testing is is live on there now. And do check out Autosport magazine. Uh, it'll come out on Thursday with loads of coverage of, uh, of the latest launches and the, the current issue with uh, the Renault on the front is uh, on the shelves now. Check out sister titles, motorsport.com, F1 Racing Magazine out monthly, and Motorsport News. And if you fancy a flutter, please download the Pit Stop Betting app. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back soon, tomorrow in fact, with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The, is it morning yet? Deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.